everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Guess what? It's Friday. It is Friday, isn't <laughs> and it? And that means it's Godzilla. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Rap, I write for Slash Film, and everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I contribute to Slash Film, and that's all. That's, Just Slash Film. That's all you need, baby. And, um... Uh, and, and here's something that's really fun. I uh, I saw that new film, Godzilla Minus One. You did. And I wrote a review of it. Good. For, sl- for Slash Film. Uh, and my re- I just saw an ad where I saw my name uh, in the ad. I was quoted oh, in you one, were of those, quoted. one of that's, those previews. That's always fun when it's for a film you genuinely support. Yeah. Every once yeah. in a while uh, it's it, taken a little out of context. You're like, you know, I don't actually like that movie, but... Yeah. I mean, I, I wish it were like a full sentence. Mm. It it All it is is they... I used the word exhilarating oh. in the review because yeah. there there are elements of the film that are exhilarating, right? Which I know that's like a, a pretty standard off the shelf crit word, but uh, they just sort of pulled that word out of my review, put quotes around it, and an exclamation point, which I didn't use. It's just <laughs> exhilarating, says Whitney Seibel of Slash Film. But you know, there's there's my name in a Godzilla commercial, so that's pretty. Fun. Would you say that the movie uh, is exhilarating, at least in fits and starts? I, there are, like I said, there are elements of it yeah. that are indeed exhilarating. Mm. Uh, we reviewed it on uh, our latest podcast, the latest critically acclaimed podcast. Mm. And we did, and, it, so and can, I liked it too. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah. 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 And indeed, it's actually expanding uh, but you know what it, right but now. You, it's like it's going to be in more theaters. So if you missed yeah. your chance, you get a chance uh, soon because the reviews on that sucker are amazing. They're all really, really positive. It's one of the best reviewed movies just... of the year, which is really something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people who are yeah. kind of passingly familiar with Godzilla are coming into this one and are being totally blown away by sort of how slick it is. Yeah. Um, but you know what I like more? Mm. Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. <laughs> Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which is not for nothing the film that we're reviewing today on Godzilla. It's Friday, where we're reviewing every Godzilla movie. Um this movie is nuts. <laughs> it goes every which this way, movie, I love it. So here's here's what happened with Godzilla uh, versus Biollante, a movie I also quite loved, uh, which we reviewed mm-hmm. last time on Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Um, it did not do particularly well at the box office, and one of the big reasons was because it was up against a blockbuster juggernaut called Back to the Future Part 2. Which was huge. I guess it was huge worldwide. It was, a big hit. it was huge here in the U.S. It was a really, yeah, yeah. really big hit. Those movies were were mega blockbusters. They they did very very well. It was very very difficult for other films to compete. And in response to that, it's like, oh god, well we lost the, our box office to Back to the Future Part Two. Uh, the producers of the Godzilla movies made two big course correction moves. One, they decided that Godzilla's next opponent would be one of his classic rogues gallery. Yeah, specific, like a, a monster we knew. Yeah, specifically, yeah. King Ghidorah, arguably his arch nemesis. Uh, and this one, because it lost the Back to the Future Part 2, <laughs> would be full of time travel, and it yes. is. And yes. it's not just a time travel movie, it's also a Terminator movie. Yeah, it, it ish. I'm trying to think of like what, what like plot points from some sort of mainstream American blockbuster might have paralleled the 
go there's an element of this movie where they send something or someone into the future to be enhanced by future technology mm-hmm. only to return to the present in order to uh lay waste to some sort of villain i think that's relatively fresh but the idea of uh people going back in time to change the future and they bring mm. with them an android which has you know elements of aliens we're going to bring an android with us on our big top secret mission uh but more than anything he wears the sunglasses he gets in the car chases he mm. he has like one liners there is an actual honest to goodness terminator and much like in terminator 2 which was coming out around the same time he gets reprogrammed to be a good guy halfway through it like they that go into his <laughs> skull but i love is that in in james cameron's terminator they there's a deleted scene where they like went into his skull and like did a whole bunch of stuff to like sort of fix his his brain so that he could like learn and grow and you know become more human yeah uh and it's all like this really high-tech microchip and it's a whole thing uh in this one they swap out some cd-roms oh you know that that's where i i can't ever be sort of amused or outraged by the Mm. level of technology that I see in science fiction movies because a, they couldn't predict what future technology was look like necessarily. Right. And secondly, that's what they had at the time. That was, uh, the, filmmakers always try to stay on top and mm-hmm. they never get it right. No. And, and uh, I'm not, I'm not, not in terms of, by the way, I want to yeah, make not it in terms I'm just of, amused. of predicting anything yeah. nor in terms of, uh, uh, like being up to date even like they yeah. always get sort of the, the technology a little bit wrong. I remember, uh, watching, uh, the movie Hackers, a movie I happen to like. That's a good movie. Um, but I understand that it's not technologically accurate, and I don't really care. Even but at I was the time, with... they knew it wasn't. They they knew they were making some yeah, stuff yeah. up just to be cinematic, I, you know. I I wa- was watching it in the '90s with some friends of mine who knew computers, and yeah, they were already kind of snickering at the the dialogue about how inaccurate it was and how re- how backwards the technological speak was. Mm. So I'm I'm not at all going to sort of chuckle at this movie that they use CD-ROMs. It was made in 1991. I'm okay with that. I'm not mocking the movie. It's just amusing to go back in time and remember that that was the cutting edge and we thought that's all it would be. I'm reminded of something that Phil Alden Robinson, I think it was Phil Alden Robinson, said on the commentary track for the movie Sneakers, which, like the movie Hackers, was also about hackers. They were Mm. hyper-aware that the more contemporary you try to be with your technology, the more likely it is your film is going to be dated because you're saying that's the cutting edge. So what they did, and this might be a trick if anyone at home is listening, like, how do I make sure that my techno movie is going to withstand the test of time? The trick might be to make sure that the characters in your film are already using retro technology. Like they're okay, yeah, they, yeah, they're not sense. on the cutting edge. They're doing the best they can with stuff that's already on the market, or maybe even dated. And that way, they will always feel like they're those guys who are yeah. not on top of it, who don't have the cutting edge stuff, and are making do with what they've got. And that's why that movie—it's it, a period piece now. It takes place at this like really specific time in like American-Russian relations that like only lasted like a year or two. So it's it's always yeah, going to be a period yeah. piece, but it's always going to play well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the uh, the the Commonwealth of Independent States, if if anybody remembers when mm. a, after the fall of the Soviet Union, but before a lot of those countries sort of reformed in earnest. Yeah, the the USSR was called the CIS mm. for yeah for like a year. It was a very yeah. brief period, yeah, and that's when sneakers brief. came out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Um, 
the plot is really, really complicated. But in a nutshell, just so you can keep it all straight, and of course we'll do our thing where we go through all of it, um, people travel back in time to the present mm. day, the early 90s, uh, to say, in the future, Godzilla has destroyed Japan. And it's a wasteland. Yeah, it's, it's in like tw- I, th- I think it's twenty two forty. Yeah, like hundreds of years in the future, uh, Go- Godzilla has laid waste uh, mm-hmm. uh, to Japan, and we are going. We want to go back in time to back before Godzilla became irradiated, back when he was just a, a regular old dinosaur. You know, way back in the nineteen forties. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, way back in the 1940s. We're going to go way back to the 1940s, and we're going to remove him from the the island that they would later use for nuclear testing so that he wouldn't become irradiated and he wouldn't become Godzilla, and that will change the future. And not for nothing, theoretically, that would prevent Japan from going through all that devastation in the 50s and the 80s. Um, yeah. And uh, they decide to go through with that plan, and chaos ensues. There's so many twists and turns in this movie. It is a riot. It is an absolutely bonkers motion picture. And we say that a lot, and it is always true. (laughs) And uh, what I appreciate about uh, sort of the Heisei era, because as we've mentioned, this is the early 90s. A lot of filmmaking uh, has changed. A lot of special effects have changed. I grew up with special effects that look like this, so I'm just kind of fond of them. But You go back to the 60s, and a lot of those Godzilla movies, they're also dealing with the special effects they had at the time. And they're crazy because they're kind of straining against limitations. Mm. They're trying to tell these really extraordinary stories, but they don't have a lot of like really slick special effects. They deal with these men in suits, and there's a, a weird sort of... Uh, I'll use another critic word, verisimilitude, Ooh. to watching... Um, a guy in a suit. There's this sort of sort of ecstasy, this ecstatic truth, because you're watching a monster destroy a city, but you're also watching a guy in a suit stomp on a miniature set, and you can enjoy yeah. it on both levels simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the bonkers energy from those early films come from, is this weird sort of acknowledgement of your own suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Uh, you have to lean into it because th- it's just not that convincing. Yeah. I feel like we're finally at an era in, in Godzilla history where they actually can realize some of these things a little bit more slickly. Mm-hmm. And they're in, now that those things are kind of taken care of, they're dealing with like quicker, bigger, weirder ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's feeling a lot more extreme in that nineties way, mm-hmm. but not in a dated way. I think it still plays incredibly well. And they're doing everything they can in this film's like 104 minutes mm-hmm to make sure you are bloody entertained. Oh, yeah. And I love that about this. It's <laughs> very difficult to get bored of this motion picture. And it, well, you bring up an interesting point, which is sort of, this, this is one of those, this is one of the longer running, like continuous or ge- generally continuous uh, entertainment franchises that's still going on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, it's, it's gone through a lot of different eras uh, in terms of storytelling uh, styles, uh, storytelling themes, and also uh, the technology that was available to them. Uh, a good example of another version of this is, I would say, Doctor Who, where the early mm. episodes in particular of Doctor Who, and really, frankly, up until the 90s, they were cheap as hell. 
like occasionally you'd get a cool looking monster, but mostly you didn't. And they looked very, very silly. And they decided to, uh, because they had very little other choice, uh, they had to operate off of the strength and inventiveness of the writing of the situations that they could craft of the personality of the characters. Um, but when in the sort of Russell T Davies era onward, they had increasingly good budgets, like budgets that could actually make stuff look convincing and pretty cool to the point now that they're on like Disney plus and they have like a ton of money and they could make everything look slick and perfect and new, but they're actually attempting to kind of stay true to those kind of kitschy roots a little bit and make sure that they're mm. still you know, monster costumes where you can like tell that there's a person in there. And even the yeah. CGI stuff has a certain, um, uh, certain lo-fi aesthetic, even if it's not made with a lo-fi means. And I look at these Godzilla movies and I think about all of those really, the, the much cheesier ones in the sixties uh -huh. and they can realize the actual Godzilla costumes and the carnage so much more excitingly and uh, impressively and realistically but I feel like what they have done is they have tried to keep the kitschy roots in the story. And they mm. are definitely just throwing stuff at a wall to see what sticks. And that inventiveness, that creativity, uh, that absolute willingness to not rein it in. Yeah. Is something yeah. that I, they, they, you know, with Return of Godzilla, relatively grounded for a Godzilla movie, except for like the spaceship yeah. part. But, like, for the most part, that's pretty much just a Godzilla movie. They went wild right after that. They went right back to it. <laughs> and, by God, what a what a, what a a thing. So, uh, this... Yeah, I... Yeah. I mm. And that's something I've always, like... Uh, I don't want to say I objected to it, but I'm uh, not as, as big a fan of it as many other people seem to be when uh, one of these long-running entertainment franchises... Uh, sort of reboots or settles down or uh, restarts at some point. And they, the choice is to make the tone really kind of somber and serious mm -hmm. and essentially just not fun. Yeah. What, what, what's wrong with making these things fun? <laughs> I think when we do that, I think when you do uh, a Batman Begins or a Casino Royale, where you're taking something that kind of flew off the rails and you bring it back a bit, I think you're reminding the audience of these, their sort of meaningful emotional connection to it. We're not going to obfuscate that. We're going to remind you that you actually do care about these characters and the situations mm -hmm. that they're in. And once you've done that, once you've just... Because every once in a while, you got to do it. Every once in a while, you got you to gotta take a step back and just say, hey, listen, you, you do care about them, right? We're not just We're not just making fun of them. Like, we are actually taking that part of it seriously, your emotional connection. And then once that's reestablished, then you can go wild again. Yeah. But you just have every once in a while you have to go back to the formula. Every once in a while you have to like just go back to the roots and basically play it straight. And then you mm -hmm. can go nuts again. And then when you start going so nuts that people start disconnecting from it, you remind it's it's like they did with Halloween over and over again. You know, like they did Halloween yeah. H2O to try to bring Halloween back to its roots. Great. It worked. What did they do next? Reality internet series, Michael Myers. That was the next <laughs> thing they did. That was the next fucking thing. When uh, uh, Rob Zombie came back, I'm going to make it like this kind of serious 
sort of psychological like what if we really got to know why michael myers was the way he is and he wasn't such a mystery and you know i'm gonna take it that really really seriously next one psychic unicorn shit yeah yeah and even david gordon green i'm gonna strip it all away i'm not even gonna make that melodramatic thing where laurie strode is his sister we're gonna take it real grounded again what's the next one maybe michael myers is kind of supernatural and the more that we're afraid of him the more he becomes invincible and it's like <laughs> you just can't resist you have to go wild you just have to yeah 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 um so this movie kicks off this movie's got a lot of uh, james cameron elements but in, in particular terminator but what i think is interesting is that it actually opens with something that james cameron would do later because it actually opens kind of like titanic because it opens with a shot in the future of like uh, people in the future exploring the ocean floor, looking for relics. And what they find is King Ghidorah, headless. It's like mm. missing one head. And they say, what happened? Oh, it, was, it lost the head in a fight with Godzilla. And then it's like, oh, I wonder how we got there. And then we flash back and Leonardo DiCaprio was playing poker with King Ghidorah. And like you know, just sort of like preparing, <laughs> you know, the the story to get where it's gonna go. They're gonna fall out eventually, and he, he, DiCaprio turns into Godzilla. Um, but no, we cut back to the to the 1990s, and we meet a bunch of new characters. Uh, there's an author who specializes in writing kind of weekly world news, salacious stuff. He wrote a book about ESP, you know, psychic phenomena, and now he's thinking about writing a book about Godzilla. Uh, yeah. There is a businessman who is kind of responsible or like at the forefront of Japan's sort of economic rebirth in the 1990s, which was a big thing. Um, mm -hmm. That's the most topical part of it. And that part might go over some audiences heads. Uh, but on top of that, in World War II, he was saved by a dinosaur. And we'll get back to that later. Uh, <laughs> that's a thing. Which he remembers well. Yes. And, and didn't really like, share with anybody oh yeah it was like an old yeah. war story a whole bunch oh, of people right. the, saw it <laughs> like a whole the dinosaur bunch of thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There, was a, there was a dinosaur it was real yeah. wait so what? The, the the author is investigating what he thinks might be the origin of godzilla and what he discovered is that in world war ii there was mm. an incident on an island in the pacific where japanese soldiers were stationed the american navy was invading the island and it looked like the japanese uh, uh forces were going to lose and lose really, really mm. bad. And there's a whole lot of war footage that we're going to see later in the movie. But the Japanese soldiers were saved by a dinosaur that fought off the American forces. And that is not not Godzilla, a dinosaur. He's a, specifically a dinosaur. And when we do go back in time and see it, he doesn't look exactly like Godzilla, but he's got he's Godzilla-ish. He's definitely not, however. Yeah. And they were they apparently they thought about it and they balked. They said he's not a T-Rex. Yeah. He's not a Tyrannosaurus. He is a Tyrannosaurus-like creature. He's a biped. He's got the small forearms. He's a carnivore, mm. but he is not specifically a Tyrannosaurus. He's a yeah. fictional in, dinosaur that has never been discovered. Um, fictional dinosaur. And uh, in, I think in this movie, uh, I know according to like extant Godzilla lore, but in the movie, they refer to this creature as... Godzillasaurus. Oh, really? Yeah. I missed that. That's that's adorable. Well, good. Yeah. Someone needs to actually like name an actual dinosaur that. The Godzillasaurus. It's, it's, such, it's such a missed opportunity, otherwise. Um, meanwhile, uh, a UFO 
appears. <laughs> and well, we saw the UFO in the prologue. That's true. So it's it's not it's not super shocking. No, the, no, the UFO. Yeah, was there in the future? Uh, you know, talking about Ghidorah's corpse. Yeah, and now it has arrived in the present again, 1991, and they investigate this UFO, and it turns out not space aliens, but people from the future. And they looked like if if they they dressed like if Little Lord Fauntleroy had like a job interview, <laughs> like it's it's a little fanciful but also kind of businessy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a couple of Americans and one Japanese woman, and they appear mostly via hologram, which is very fancy of them, very impressive. Look at uh, look at look at us, look at us show off, look at our shit. Mm. <laughs> uh, and they announced that yeah the future is fucked uh, and we think the best thing to do is to go back in time and remove Godzilla from the equation why they couldn't just go straight to 1944 and do that as opposed to take this yeah, pit stop in the 90s is never addressed no and in fact uh, naturally the plan's going to be a little more complicated by this yeah. but the aliens, or the time travelers, that rather, would would have been better served mm. if they never told the people in the present. Yes, yeah, there's literally every single thing about their them going back to the 90s is irrelevant or counterproductive. They get people involved who have the capacity to destroy their plans. They bring people from the 90s back with them to the 40s. They contribute nothing. Mm. The only they, thing that would have made... They provide viable information that's not like... We can find where the, the yeah. dinosaur is in the well, 40s and you can't. Like, nothing like that. The, the only thing that would have made sense is if they had found, like, if they'd taken back that, like, that, like, businessman who was, uh -huh. like, a, a, a general or some sort of, you know, commanding officer in World War II uh, and as a younger man. And we see him as a younger man in the, in the time travel bits. It would have made sense if they brought him back because he knew where it happened, exactly where it happened, where the dinosaur was. But they explicitly say they come up with their time travel rules. And that's always a fun part of any time travel movie. When you lay down exactly how your time travel rules work. They say, we can't take anyone back in time to a point when they were alive. This isn't like Time Cop where like two Ron Silvers can't like touch hands without mm -hmm. like sort of being eliminated from the universe. They just literally can't take them back to another time period where there would be two of them at the same time on the planet Earth. Yeah. Which I, I'm willing to accept, but it also makes your movie kind of confusing because we don't need to bring back an author at all. <laughs> they specifically say, you, you wrote this book about Godzilla. We have this book, uh, and it has all this information about Godzilla, so we'd like you to come with us. You have the book. You don't, you don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> it's all irrelevant. They also bring with them the psychic from uh, Godzilla vs. Biollantic, who in this movie does nothing. She's, no, she's just, just there, there to witness it, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool that she's there. I like her fine, but, like, surely you could have come up with more for her to do, and she does next to nothing. The other thing, and this is kind of the big red flag that they should have run in, they should have noticed. Mm -hmm. Although, really, I suppose the audience would know this better than uh, uh, the characters would. When they go back into the time machine and they bring the people from the 90s into the time machine. They have on the machine three small kind of gremlin-type creatures. Yeah, they're called Dorats. Called Dorats. And you might recall the title of the movie is King Ghidorats. 
<laughs> King Ghidorah. Dorat. Dor- oh, wait a minute. I'm putting something together uh, no, here. No, there's three of them. <laughs> oh, man. This might be going somewhere. And, of course, it will. When they go back in time to the 1940s, and they have this android with them as well. Mm-hmm. When they go back in time to the 1940s, the movie does the funniest thing I have ever seen in a Godzilla movie. Intentionally, too. Like, it's an intentionally funny joke. And I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. Okay. Because it cuts to the 1940s. And we, mm-hmm. we, we cut to an American naval ship. And two guys are, like, looking at this island. They're talking about their battle strategy. And then they see the, the time machine slash UFO. And they go, oh, my God, did we just see a, a flying saucer? Did we just see an unidentified flying object? And the superior officer says, hold on, I wrote this, I wrote this down. Uh, oh, this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hold on. Um, I, I, I know what yeah. you're talking about. He, 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 he turns to his subordinate and he says, let's just make this our little secret. You can tell your son about it. Major Spielberg. <laughs> so yeah, Spielberg's dad is in this. It doesn't look anything like Paul Dano. Yeah, well, but, uh... you know, that, that, the Fablemans wasn't terribly accurate. Uh, yeah, so so Spielberg's dad saw UFOs and would later tell uh, his son about it. And here's the funny thing, though, because at that point, Spielberg, they're referencing Spielberg doing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. Uh, two years after this movie... Spielberg would make <laughs> Jurassic Park, which is Jurassic about Park. Yeah, yeah. dinosaurs on an island. Later on in the movie, his dad will also see dinosaurs on an island. They accidentally <laughs> added another gag. <laughs> it's a double joke, and they they did it on. It was just pure coincidence, and I love that. I, that is the most. You know, when Robert Zemeckis did mm. that in like Back to the Future. He uh-huh. found a way to fuck it up every fucking time. Like, he would, like, okay, so, like, Michael J. Fox is singing Johnny Be Good, like, before it's properly been introduced to the popular culture. And then yeah. uh, uh, Marvin Berry calls his cousin Chuck Berry and says, hey, you know that new sound you were looking for? Well, listen to yeah. this. And that's Robert Zemeckis saying that Chuck Berry plagiarized rock and roll from a white guy. Yes. Like, really didn't think that out. Because... Because Marty McFly learned it from Chuck Berry, yes. so it's it's one of those causality. Yeah, so it's, so that's a paradox. But regardless, it's it's weird that you're implicating Chuck Berry in like artistic fraud. Like it's <laughs> it's it's kind of <laughs> fucked up actually. And here it's just okay. This is cute. I'm sure even Spielberg could enjoy. It. I'm, I'm actually very curious. I don't know if Spielberg's ever gone on the record about that gag. I would be very curious. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it came to his attention. I'd be shocked if it didn't. Yeah. I would like to think you just goes, ha, okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I I don't know, though. But uh, I, I can't imagine he'd be terribly offended. But maybe maybe he just thought it was weird. Um, but anyway, they go to this island, and uh, we see the, the Japanese forces, and they are uh, struggling against the U.S. Navy. And then they are rescued by a fucking dinosaur <laughs> who, yeah. starts, who starts stomping all over the American military. Uh and the American military, like they, the, the Navy, starts like shooting at the dinosaur and yelling things like "Take that, you dinosaur!" as if dinosaur <laughs> was a euphemism. Like, no, that's that's not how that works. Actually, you usually would say something, you know, like an insult. But okay, that's that's fine. You, um, you prehistoric jerk, whatever. Yeah, something. They. Uh, they it, by the way, it's it is never explained. Mm how a dinosaur 
came to be on this island. No, it they, just it it's just sort of there. They talk to a like they don't say like that they're. Yeah. Like there was something weird about this island, or the no. dinosaurs have lived here this entire time. They, we just sort of have to take their word for it. There's like one that line there is of a dinosaur. There's one line of dialogue at the beginning of the movie when they're talking to like dinosaur experts, and a guy says, "You know, people say dinosaurs are extinct, but I suspect there are probably a few still around." That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the, <laughs> the limp justification. <laughs> it's just covering our bases, and then we're good, right? It's like it's like when it's like in uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, uh, mm-hmm. where there's one line of voiceover dialogue from Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, where he says, "You know, not everyone knows this, but vampires can go out during the day." <laughs> now, granted, I think in the book they actually say that Dracula could, and like the idea that they could never go out during the day was a later invention, but yeah, everyone the, the... in the audience knows that that's what vampires are now so it really does feel like we forgot to mention that earlier and we need to just sort of it's it's the uh somehow palpatine returned of the horror genre mm. it's like one awkward line of dialogue to try to justify something the audience is going to have a lot of questions about and then try to move on you gotta love it um mm-hmm. anyway godzilla is injured he's taking like heavy fire and this the guy who would eventually become the businessman uh you know they, they say, like, well, we we can't really do anything about this. Like, we don't know how to heal a dinosaur. We don't have the means to, like, take it with us anywhere. So they just thank the dinosaur for his service and leave. Now, <laughs> which is which is really awkward. And I'm, and I'm later on in the film, I think we'll get a sense of how Godzilla felt about that. But uh, the upside is that it's much easier to transport, like, an immobile creature like to teleport him off the island is what they're gonna do so yeah, they, they have a yeah they have a, a, a machine that they can fire it at a creature yeah and kind of lift it out of place yeah and they're gonna they take godzilla off of that island which will eventually be used for nuclear testing and move him away and uh then they're gonna you know time travel out of the location hey where are the door at so then we're gonna time travel out of the location Hey, where the, the, there's actually a shot of the Dorats being let out of mm-hmm. the time machine it was all in the forties. Yeah, it's part of the secret yeah. plan. And then uh, they get back into the present, and good news: Godzilla never became Godzilla, and everyone remembers him and all the stuff mm-hmm. he did. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? What are the rules? <laughs> because everyone is talking about oh, it's a good thing Godzilla doesn't exist now and never was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not just the people who time traveled either, because maybe they're like outside of in a bubble. Like everyone is fully cognizant of the original plan, which I guess is expedient for the plot, but it's a little confusing to me as like a time travel sci fi junkie. Yeah. But the thing is, is that Godzilla wasn't created in that nuclear blast, but, blast, but in, in this timeline, in this you know reboot of Godzilla, King Ghidorah was. Yeah, because they let they let the Dorats out. Yeah, they like fuse together into and the, one the giant Dorats, creature. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, the Dorats mutated. They were exposed to it. so in this version of things, Dorats. And I don't think they really explain what those things are. Not really, no. uh, yeah, they fuse together and they become King Ghidorah. And now we've lived through a timeline where there's no Godzilla, but there is King Ghidorah, and King Ghidorah is such a destructive a hole mm-hmm. that everyone fears King Ghidorah. But and they wish Godzilla we, was back. 
yeah um when they return back to the present it's not that people lived through those decades it's just like the entire world blinked back into the present yeah but it it is weird though because it's like if king gator was made in the same nuclear testing thing in the 1950s as godzilla why didn't king gator attack until the 90s you know yeah, what that, that, that's a question that isn't answered uh how did history change dramatically? Because surely not having to rebuild the country multiple times probably affected the history of that country, if not the entire world. Mm. Eh? I, I don't know. What what did reporter I, I, Steve Martin do? Like what 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 was his career like without Godzilla? <laughs> we'll never know. Well, luckily Godzilla's back anyway. Godzilla's back, and the way that they bring Godzilla back is both genius and a huge cop-out. <laughs> because they, you could think to yourself, okay, so they're going to go back in time and like return the dinosaur so that, at the very least, he'll be created as well as King Gator or something. No, we don't have time for that. We're not going to time travel again. We're not, we're not doing any of that shit. Here's how Godzilla comes back. They moved Godzilla to another island. Off the coast of that island, it just so happened that there was a nuclear submarine that crashed and leaked radioactive shit, and that created Godzilla anyway, by sheer fucking chance or possibly fate. That's it. <laughs> and Godzilla, now that King Gator is attacking, Godzilla has been activated. Like in the old school yes. Showa era way, where it's like, oh god, something's happening, I better leave Monster Island. Yeah. And now Godzilla's off to fight King Ghidorah. And everyone's like, yay, Godzilla's going to save us all. And there's a huge fucking fight with King Ghidorah and Godzilla. And and this is something interesting. This is the first time Godzilla has fought King Ghidorah alone. That's right. Uh, in, in the previous movies, King Ghidorah was established as being so powerful that it took multiple other monsters to, yeah. to knock it out and destroy yeah, it. Yeah, like, it took Mothra, Rodan, and Godzilla together. It took the combined forces of, like, every other monster and destroy all monsters. Um, mm. At the very least, he teamed up with Rodan again in, um, yeah. oh, I think it was Invasion of Astro Monster. Uh, that was before Destroy All Monsters, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm getting the timeline wrong. But yeah, he's never mm -hmm. fought him solo before. And it's a cool fight. Mm -hmm. King Ghidorah looks really awesome in in uh, uh, the modern era. You know, he's such a complicated puppet with all those heads that there isn't even like a yeah. guy in the suit in that one. It's just all wire work, and it looks well, really there, cool. I, there is a guy in a suit, um, like in certain close up shots, like of the feet moving oh, yeah, around the on feet. the ground. There's yeah, um, but yeah, there's there's not like an actor in the suit when they're hoisting it up above the ground. That's just a gigantic marionette, yeah. and it's a big one too. It's a human sized marionette. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and there's there. Godzilla movies aren't terribly expensive, mm. so they kind of have to rely on practical effects. And I love that they're still relying on practical effects, mm. and that's something they wanted to continue doing. To that is Toho wanted to keep on doing that for many many years. Yeah. Uh, there was an opportunity at around this time, I'm sure, to start realizing Godzilla and CGI, mm. and they just weren't going to do it. And Godzilla was going to stay live action until till the end of the millennium era in like 2004 well in 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 uh in the toho realm obviously we'd have the 1998 uh roland emmerich film where godzilla would be yeah. cgi 
uh, or rather Zillow uh, would, but regardless. Zillow would be CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and in fact, um, if you want, we're going to get to it, but uh, in Godzilla Final Wars, the 2004 mm-hmm. movie, which is the last film of the Millennium Era, uh, most of the monsters in that one are practical effects. Yeah. And then Zilla from the 1998 film is also in that movie. Yeah. And he's all, and that creature is also CGI in that movie. Yeah. And it looks terrible, but I think they did that on purpose. Oh, I just thought of another uh, hole in the time travel plan, which is uh, why do we even need to go to World War Two? We know he's on the island. Why do we need to like risk the mission? Just go to like a year before the nuclear test when he's the only thing there. Yeah. Wouldn't that be easier? I don't know. It's <laughs> to go in the middle of combat, right? Yeah, anyway, it, there, there are certain flaws in this time travel plan, unlike other time travel movies, which are all airtight. Um, by the way, if you're asking yourself, why did they want to create King Ghidorah? Like, why was that better for them? Uh, and it turns out they were lying about the entire thing. Uh, Japan wasn't eventually, like, destroyed by Godzilla. In fact, Japan's, like, economic success just grew and grew and grew until it got to the point where it was like buying other countries and it became this sort of dominant colonial force that Mm. these american characters and the japanese uh uh woman who was with them uh eventually betrays them to protect japan uh raises the question of why she you know ever bought into it to begin with but anyway um their whole thing is, okay, Godzilla couldn't do the job. Godzilla couldn't destroy Japan and prevent them from taking over the world, so we're going to introduce a more badass monster that mm-hmm. will. Which, as plans go, is pretty awful, actually. You're leaving <laughs> a lot to chance on that thing. <laughs> like, it's well, really bad. I, I, it, it's so widely accepted that, you know, if, if you have a monster, the, the only way to kill it is another monster. Yeah. Um, it, it's never happened in a Godzilla movie, and I would love to see it, where it's like, okay, we've King Ghidorah is attacking, we've scooped up Godzilla, we've transported him here, and, like, yeah. he lands in front of King Ghidorah, and then he just sort of, like, turns around and walks away. Yeah. Like, doesn't care, I'm not gonna fight this creature. Yeah. And then King Ghidorah doesn't attack, they just sort of, like, look at each other, oh, hey. Yeah. Bye. There's, there's a, and then they, they go about their business. There's a, so Godzilla returns to like save the day and restore order to the universe, and he fights King Ghidorah. There's a cool bit where King Ghidorah like wraps one of his elongated necks around Godzilla's neck to choke him with his own neck, mm. which I appreciated. Cool, that looks yeah. really cool. It's kind of silly, but it looks really cool. I love this bit where someone says like. Once again, Godzilla is here to save us. And I'm like, he never did that before in this continuity. <laughs> Biollante <laughs> saved you from Godzilla last time. Yeah. Not yeah. the other way around. So I don't know where all this is coming from. I think you're just starting to get a little confused about what what franchise you're in, but that's fine. Godzilla beats up King Ghidorah. He defeats King Ghidorah. Great. I love it. That's wonderful. Everyone's really, really happy. And at that point, I'm like, oh, oh shit, there's a lot is- of movie left. Well, because the problem is, now now there's Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, and this still isn't the... Even though it's a different Godzilla, like, it's he's, like, was created at a different time or in a different way, mm-hmm. and he went through different experiences, and he might have a different personality now. You could have simply argued that this Godzilla is a more heroic Godzilla and called it a day. Mm-hmm. No, uh, he kicked King Ghidorah's ass, and then and he's, now he's like... he's pissed off about it. And now it. he's pissed off, and now he's going to just destroy Japan. <laughs> and now they're like, oh, shit. 
It's the classic and, and case of whoever with... wins, we lose. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, their solution, it, it's like the least... They just repeat themselves. They make the same mistake. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, now we have Godzilla. I know what can fight Godzilla. King Ghidorah, <laughs> the monster that he just killed. So like, they know. So after they... It's <laughs> like, you're, you're going in circles They've here. reprogrammed the Terminator, so now it's a good Terminator, and it's working for the good guys, and it's shooting people, <laughs> and that's all fine. They uh, Okay, but wait, wait, we, we got to pause. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, and then they reprogrammed the Terminator, just broke my brain. Uh <laughs> Because the, now we're entering this sort of like a, another one of these wonderful moments where we're just sort of having an eight-year-old stream of consciousness, yeah. expla- like making this movie. Because there's like high, like car chases between a car and the Terminator, who's just running as fast as a car, and yeah, like there's I, shootouts. I, I like that scene. It, it, it looks a little silly, oh, but I like that it looks a little silly. It's wonderful, and there's like shootouts between like the Terminator and a whole bunch of the time travel guys, and the Terminator starts like developing a sense of humor. Where it's like, I gotcha, shooty, 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 and then he shoots them. It's very, very fucking weird. But the Terminator teams up with uh, the, the the woman who traveled back in time and betrayed uh, her other conspirators. Yeah. Who is, by the way, start- she, she's she's changed her mind. Who is, by the way, has and this will be important later, has started kind of having like an intimate, like emotional relationship with the author guy. This will mm. be important later, and I'll explain why when we get to it. Um, she decides what I'm going to do is I am going to go back to the future. I am going to, and, and they've, they've killed all the other time travel guys. All of that stuff's great. And Godzilla's like destroyed their ship and everything. It's awesome. Uh, but she's going to go back to the future. She's going to find King Ghidorah's corpse. Turns out yes. he's barely alive hundred years later. It's must be really pissed mm. off. They're going to take King Ghidorah. They're going to turn him into a cyborg. <laughs> They're going to replace his missing head with a robot head, and she's going to pilot yes. Robo King Ghidorah, or Mecha King Ghidorah, yes. as a Mecha. And it's, Mecha King Ghidorah. And it's finally a proper Mecha fight. By the way, in which it's not just like a robot Mecha Godzilla, but there's someone in there and they're pulling switches and things. And yeah. I am such and- a sucker for that shit. <laughs> I just think that's the coolest thing. Nothing is fucking cooler than like cutting to a shot of someone in like a pod and like a cool chair covered in switches. And then they flip a couple of switches and they pull a really big lever. And then we cut to a giant robot doing something mm-hmm. as if that was yeah. directly connected. I will never fucking get tired of that. <laughs> well, I, I, I always like... First of all, you're sitting in this gigantic robot. That's got to be like a massively complicated machine. Yeah. It's going to need like a hundred people to pilot something that that strange and complicated. Or in Pacific Rim, uh, too. Or you need two. Well, it, <laughs> and they're going to share a brain. It, well, in Pacific Rim, they that's like a super advanced technology that like taps into the pilot's brains. Right. Like they're not just operating a machine. It's like right. they're thinking that thing into being. Um, when they show the pilot pulling levers, it's like, first of all, no. <laughs> like, it, it now it looks easier than driving a car. No, thank you. No, you're, you're getting it wrong. Uh, but when you're a little kid, you think you can do it. Yeah, that's a big part the, of it. I think that's the appeal of having, like, the pilot inside the robot head or inside the Mecha King Ghidorah. It, it's like, oh, if I paid attention. Yeah. I'd know which levers to pull. Like, I could learn how to do this in a day. Yeah. And I just know how to pilot my very own Mecha King Ghidorah. It would be the coolest thing uh, in the world. 
And yeah. there's and actually, uh, yeah. Mecha sorry. King Ghidorah has electric handcuffs. Yeah. He does. He's going to open up and he's going to like put handcuffs on Godzilla and it's going to be awesome. Real, real fast, going back to that point you were making though about like being able to pilot this thing and how it looks way too easy. Mm. There's an amazing anime series which I highly recommend everyone watch. It's just really, really wonderful. It's called Keep Your Hands Off Etsukan. It is about. You've talked about this before. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. about uh, a trio of teenagers uh, who decide to start their own anime club. And one of them was really, really good at design. One of them was really, really good at uh, character animation. And the other one discovers that they're actually a really great producer. And I have never seen another movie or TV series of any kind that is a better representation of what a producer's job is and when they're doing it right. Like, I've never seen that better. But there's a, a bit where they're like, uh, they're, they're creating like, and it's, you know, they're in high school. They're doing like a three minute short you know, to try to like mm. just sort of test their skills and get better. And they come up with a little mecha fight because that's what they're into and it's cool. But there's one thing that they said when they were coming up with that and they were talking about that, about how like, oh, that, you know, technology wouldn't work like this, but it's such a, uh, a tradition to show like people inside in a, in a cockpit pulling switches and things. And what they said, and this actually like made a lot of sense to me, was... The reason why in all of those uh, uh, stories there's still a human pilot not just like doing things on like a touchpad or a keyboard but actually like having physical control over specific physical functions in a very uh, tangible way was that in the future in this, in this technology uh, human input is still important. We have not yeah, been replaced. Yeah. We are in control of all of the technology and that is mm -hmm. more important than automating it. And that means that even though Godzilla is fighting a big Robo King Ghidorah, it's still fighting that person. Yeah, It's not automated. Yeah. They're fighting that person. And I think that makes a bit of a difference because when we see uh, the young woman who's, you know, traveled back in time in her Mecha King Ghidorah to fight Godzilla, it feels like there's a lot on the line. Like when King Ghidorah gets knocked over and she's like rolling around in the cockpit and getting injured, it's like, oh shit. Like it's, it's way more jacks. intense otherwise, you know? Yeah. It's so fucking great when King Ghidorah opens up his chest and shoots out electro manacles and like <laughs> grabs Godzilla. <laughs> it's so fucking badass. So freaking great. I love it. Oh my God. But uh, King, yeah, King Ghidorah defeats Godzilla. Or Mecha King Ghidorah defeats Godzilla. And the future is saved, I guess. And uh, the the time travel lady says, "Okay, I'm gonna go back to my mm. own own time now." Oh, hey, by the way, author guy, I know you felt like we had a thing. You're actually my great great grandfather, so you can go ahead and marry your editor, and that can be the resolution of that, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. bye. And I'm like, wait, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot to process all at once. Holy shit. Weird. It's like, uh, did you ever see uh, Kate and Leopold with Hugh Jackman and, and Meg Ryan? Oh, no, I, I never saw that one. It's, yeah. That's a time travel love it story, is. though. Uh, yeah. Hugh Jackman plays, I forget the guy's name, the, it's the real historical figure who invented the elevator. Uh, and he was like this, you know, kind of wealthy aristocrat inventor type. Uh, and uh, he, Meg Ryan had been dating a guy played by Leif Schreiber uh, who uh, somehow, like, plucked this guy out of the timeline. And now he's in the present, and 
he's staying with Meg Ryan. She doesn't know he's a time traveler. They start falling in love. And there's this cute subplot about how elevators start disappearing around New York and people are getting injured. Um, there's a subplot that they cut out of that movie. They filmed it and they cut it out. Where Hugh Jackman was Liev Schreiber's like great-great-grandfather. Oh. But that okay. would have meant that Meg Ryan, who will eventually go back in time like with Hugh Jackman and marry him and they're going to live together, would uh -huh. have been dating her great-great-grandson at the beginning of it because no. he was her ex-boyfriend. Oh, so yeah. the implication is she went back in time yeah. with Hugh Jackman and fathered uh, Liev Schreiber's grandfather descendants. Yeah. Okay. But at the beginning okay. of the movie, she was Liev Schreiber's ex-girlfriend. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, and so, it's yeah, so, kind so of, she would have been dating one of her own yeah. like great-great-grandchildren. And, pe and people were like, oh, that's weird. Let's not do that. But then when, like, in, in a, the Avengers movies, Cap goes back in time to, like, marry Peggy Carter, even though, uh -huh. like, er, later slash earlier in his life, he would, like, have a romantic relationship with her, like, grandniece. Which is Wait, what? Not, which is what was that? Which is not. It, it's weird, and like you can just imagine that being really, really awkward when that person gets born, and it's yeah. just like, oh, oh, this is really weird, and I don't like time travel anymore. Strange mm. stuff. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that is Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Oh, the other thing I forgot. I forgot one more thing. This is this is a big deal actually. Um, the uh, the businessman who had like rebuilt the Japanese economy and had been saved by a dinosaur, you know, two interconnected things. Uh, there's a bit where Godzilla, after he's defeated King Ghidorah, is just destroying Japan, and he, the uh, businessman is in his office at the top of a skyscraper, and everyone's telling me you should get out of there, and he's like, "No, this is like my destiny." And Godzilla yeah. walks up to the building and looks the guy right in the eyes. And they just look back at each other, and you can tell Godzilla recognizes him. And you're saying to yourself, what's going to happen here? Is Godzilla going to let him go because he treated Godzilla with respect? And I'd love to see Godzilla do one of those like little V-shapes, like points at his eyes yeah, and like, yeah. like, recognize you. I, I see you, yeah. man. But what Godzilla does, and the guy just sort of like, kind of just resigns himself to it, nukes him with his, with his radioactive breath. <laughs> which to me suggests he's pissed that he didn't do anything to save Godzilla. <laughs> like you left me there on that fucking Island, you asshole. <laughs> I almost died trying to save your ass <laughs> and you did nothing. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, um, and it's a weird, it's a weird statement really. Cause if that guy represents sort of Japan's renewed economic prosperity, which the time travel storyline suggests that in the future would get kind of out of control and turn the country into uh, you know, a dangerous world power, allegedly, according to people who wanted to take it down and might be bad guys. So for all we know, Japan is a very benevolent world power in the future. Okay, uh, yeah. But he will be destroyed by this symbol of Japan's past and a symbol of America. Will... You know, like, it's weird. It's, um... it's, an, it's an odd theme to kind yeah. of bring up and resolve that way. Well, well, I was going to mention that um, because in I think what what is happening with 
uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah is, you know, there's all this time travel stuff. They're going back yeah. in time to World War II. And you let's go back to the original Godzilla. It's a symbol for nuclear devastation. Yeah. Uh, and but, so what, what this movie wants is to have its cake and eat it too, eat mm. it too essentially, is yeah. they're going to go back in time and they're going to remove Godzilla from the effects of the war, mm. essentially purifying the monster. No, Godzilla is now this, yeah. this sort of like force of destruction, but now it's no longer an echo of World War II. Now that's King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is the, this evil that was created not just by World War II, but by um, sort of this encroaching threat of modernity, which is okay. something you'll see in a lot of Japanese art and a lot of Japanese cin- cinema. That's interesting. Um, okay. So, yeah, now this sort of combination of wartime trauma and technological fear is what the villain represents. And Godzilla is something that we have now created deliberately independently of the war Mm. godzilla is very clearly no longer a symbol of nuclear devastation godzilla is something completely different he's still a symbol of actually nuclear like like irresponsibility he was created by like you know Mm. a a crashed nuclear sub that leaked but you're right it's a it's a it's not the same thing Mm. he's he's not created like from the bomb yeah which yeah purifying him that's interesting i wouldn't have thought about that way that's that's kind of neat yeah, they're sort of like almost, um, oh, what's, you were raised Catholic. What's the Catholic word for, like, purification of the soul? Like, when, when you confess, there, mm. is, isn't there oh, some sort yeah, of liturgical yeah, 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 word yeah. for there, that? There is um, a word for that. And uh, I yeah. have been an atheist for a really long time, and I cannot remember <laughs> it off the top of my head. Let oh, me see, well, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see, you know what, I'm just, so ever, so, someone who's Catholic mm. is yelling at the screen right now. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm going to try to try to look that up. Uh, hang on a second. Just, I, I, I know, I, I'm pretty certain there's like a liturgical word for uh, the, for that type of, of purification, like when you confess your sins. Hmm. Uh, I, I feel like absolution. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, they're yeah, absolutely. He's absolved. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're they're absolving Godzilla of of his association with with World War Two. Uh, in one way, I, I feel like there's that's something like the, the filmmakers weren't necessarily giving a lot of thought to, but that's definitely what's going on. Mm. They're making Godzilla into a little bit more of a, of a pure creature. Um, mm. But really what's going on is they just want monster fights and they're just thinking all like whatever wild plot twists they can come up with. Yeah. And, and boy, is it wild, man. Like mm. this, this, this movie. Oh God. A I, it's trip. so great. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I love this movie. Oh so my much. God. I seriously, Biollante and versus King Ghidorah, and they might be the films I want to see on the big screen more than any of the others that we've seen so far. Because they just, they would be such a trip, man. It, it, and even an audience who had no idea what they were in for would get such a kick out of these films. Yeah. They're just yeah, yeah. absolutely just inventive and bonkers and funny and intense. And they look good. Like there's a great sense of scale. Like they they actually have some interesting ideas in them, maybe not particularly well thought out themes, but certainly ideas. It's mm. really really great. Uh, and next time, oh thank Godzilla, it's Friday because we just uh, had Godzilla uh, meet his arch nemesis. Uh, we're gonna have Godzilla meet. I mean, I guess in the Showa era, Mothra was his conscience, in a way. Like yeah, Moth- God, you know, Mothra was like the the most humane, yeah. you could say, of of the monsters. So Godzilla versus Mothra, 
is <laughs> about to uh, is about to unfold on the next episode of Thank Godzilla. It's Friday, uh, as opposed to the nineteen sixty four film Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah, totally yeah. different. I don't know how you could confuse well, them. Godzilla Godzilla renegotiated his contract, yeah. and now he gets top billing. Yeah, because again, remember uh, Godzilla used to be the main bad guy, and here mm-hmm. he's still not a good guy. Like they haven't gone full mm. bore. It's not like he defeated King Ghidorah and like high fived, you know, the the prime minister of Japan, and then like walked back to his island. You know, he he's still a monster, and I think they're trying to keep that tightrope walk going as long as they can. Hmm. You know, um, but yeah. yeah, um, but yeah. Not only will we have, but I, I think we're gonna have to pay close attention to Godzilla versus Mothra because Mothra, you said, was Godzilla's conscience. Uh. Is, does this mean Godzilla is the bad guy and Mothra is the good guy? No. Godzilla will prove to be the balancing force between Mothra and Mothra's evil twin. Uh, there's there's an evil moth uh, called Batra. I was is, literally going to uh, say, is he called Badthra? It's, it's, <laughs> it's like... It's like Battle Mothra, I think, oh was the portmanteau God. they were going for. Love so it's, it. it's called awesome. Batra. So we're going to meet Mothra and Batra in the next movie. Oh my God, that's awesome. I can't wait. I cannot wait. That's super, super cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That's it for Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you are a patron over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, uh, you can uh, hear that episode about Godzilla versus Mothra uh, right now because you get episodes a week early. Uh, yeah. And if you're hearing this on the main feed, that's if you're hearing this on the main feed. If you're hearing it on Patreon, well, yeah, next week, Godzilla versus Mothra. That makes sense, right? <laughs> anyway, thank you to all of our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. You're the absolute best. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we hope you're enjoying your ad-free shows, your early Thank Godzilla It's Fridays, uh, your exclusive shows about Star Trek and the Academy Awards and a bunch of other cool stuff as well. Um, just thank you. You really mean a lot to us. And uh, if you can't afford to be a patron uh, and you really want to help the show, the best thing you can do is leave us a review wherever you find us. That really, really yeah, helps the show a lot, and it would mean it, a lot it push, to us. It, like it, the the more reviews something gets, the more it like pushes up in whatever algorithms it's on, and yeah, like rises to the top of lists. So that that really does help. Think of it as your holiday gift to us. But seriously, hold nothing yeah. back. Feel free to be critical. I would be honest. But even just yeah, the review yeah. helps. Uh, and if you want to uh, uh, share your thoughts about this film or any others, uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, Whitney, what is our PO box? Yeah, send us a physical letter to the critically acclaimed network, P.O. Box six four one five six five, Los Angeles, California at nine double zero six four. Yeah, we we had to take a break from we've got mail for a while, at, but we are back. It is now a regular show again. We apologize for those delays, uh, and we love reading your emails. So thank you once again to everybody who writes in. Uh, yes. And um, yeah, we're on social media at critic acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Find find me and say hello. Buy one of my radio shows. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next. Rawr! Rawr!